Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So, thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Yes, indeed, it is time for Critical Thinking. It is Thursday, May 12th, 2022. What is going on, everybody? I am super pumped for this episode. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the return of Omicron. Um, that's Omicron, you know, for all those people who don't speak Biden. Um, but we're also going to talk about, um, I wish my mother had aborted me and, uh, the four euphemisms that conservatives use that they probably shouldn't. But before we get into all of that wonderful goodness, I promised you earlier this week that we would have probably one, if not two guests to help break up the monotony of me talking at you for 25, 30, 45 minutes, whatever uh, we gather this week, um, since I'm flying solo, and we have that. That's right. Joining me right now, the one, the only, Nate Thurston from Good Morning Liberty. Nate, how are you doing today? I am doing great this morning, Andrew. Thank you for Thank you for having me. Yeah, and for people who are not familiar with Good Morning Liberty, um, why don't you lay out what the podcast is all about? So what we do is we do an episode every day of the week where we talk current events, whatever the news is that's going on, but we like to talk about the actual issues behind those news pieces. Most of our news pieces that we use are from the left, so we will use the Washington Post or New York Times or MSNBC or CNN, and we'll go through those and kind of take them apart on a daily basis. But we're, we're a libertarian podcast, libertarian-minded podcast. We believe that people own themselves. We believe in the, in the right to self-ownership, to self-determination. And so basically all of our ideas come from that philosophy. Yeah, and, and obviously here on Critical Thinking, we like to critically think through those news and views. And I think we're kind of aligned on, on some of those things. And we like to actually work through the problems here on the show, whether or not we come up with an answer. Um, I, I think too many podcasts and too many radio shows have all the answers. And the reality is we shouldn't. Yeah, we say very frequently that we only know one thing. And the one thing that we know is that you own yourself and that other people own themselves. And that's the only thing we know for sure. Now, everything else just stems from that. If it conflicts with that idea right there, then we know that we don't like it and we got to do something else. And, you know, to start the show, you mentioned the return of Omicron. And I'm just glad myself personally, it's not ultra Omicron, because that is the uh, the extreme version, and we can't handle any more of that. It, it, is that the offshoot of Ultra Maga or Mega? It, it excuse me. It is now uh, Ultra Omicron is not as bad as Ultra Maga is, of <sighs> of course. You know, which is the worst thing that's ever uh, existed in the history of our country. But uh, <laughs> you you know the thing. Yes, the the thing, the thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Lord. But uh, we have you here to talk about um, this concept of inflation. And the New York Times wants us all to know that um, the dastardly states of the United States of America daring to give more of the taxpayer's money back to the taxpayer is going to cause <clears throat> inflation. Yes, uh, very dangerous. They've been trying to trace back the origins of inflation now for a while. And what they're starting to land on and what they're starting to let their readers know just a little bit at a time is that inflation, we're going to be able to trace it back to a lot of these red states that are giving their citizens tax cuts. Because even though it's only happening in those states, well, we have a national economy and a global economy. And when those people have more spending power, it actually ends up affecting everyone else. So in fact, your, your boogeyman list, I think it's starting to go uh, the ultra MAGA, then MAGA, and then Trump, and then Putin. And then it's going to be these red states that are causing the inflation directly after that. And about 30, 40 people down the list, if we have time, maybe it's the Biden administration. I'm not sure. Probably not their fault. It's definitely the fact that they are, uh, by their words in the article, putting more people, putting, putting more money in people's pockets, which is what they're doing by not taking money from them, apparently. Right, because up front, they tell us New Mexico, that, that super red state of New Mexico, they provided $1,000 tax rebates to households um, basically to pay them off for the increase in the gas prices. And um, by doing so, they are now inflating prices in the state. Now, the, the part of that, here, here's the issue. When, you, when people have more buying power, when they have more spending power, that can be a driver of higher prices for things. They've got more money for the demand. The issue is this is also the case when you just print money and give it to them as well. That's also another problem. Wait, 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 wait. Are, are you telling me that 95% of all of the money that we've ever printed has been printed in the last two years? Are, are you going to tell me that? That sounds like a far right extremist talking, the uh, conspiracy talking point, And we just don't allow those on our show. I mean, maybe, you know, that that kind of conspiracy theory that we've, we've just printed all this money. We can't handle that. Uh, but yes, in fact, we have printed <laughs> basically all of the money. It's mostly fake. And, the, you know, this article is so it's very simple. It's not that long, but I found so many things that really bothered me inside of it. You know, what I mentioned earlier, this idea that by putting more money in people's pockets, they risk further stimulating. When you don't steal money from now, let me let me ask you, you you walked by someone yesterday on the street. OK, did mm -hmm. you steal money from that? Part? Did you take money from them? It is Chicago. Yeah, but no. <laughs> OK, well, they didn't take any money from you. You didn't get robbed yesterday, right? Thank God. Yeah. Okay, make, <laughs> making sure. Did you know that that person who didn't rob you, they were putting money in your pocket? That wasn't that nice of them to put money in your pocket by not taking money from you. That was great. Now, now to be fair, um, I, I did enjoy a, a boat outing yesterday, and, and I came back with more beverages than I left with. So, oh, okay. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so so this idea stems from the, this this ownership idea that basically the government 
owns all of the money and actually the collective, everyone, we all own everyone's economic productivity. We all own everyone's earnings. And instead of allowing people to keep their money and maybe they chip in their buck oh five, that way we make sure we have firefighters and police and teachers and roads. Of course, we got to have the roads. We have all of that. The The flip side of that is actually when you take home some of your money, that's them allowing you to keep that money. And that's a very important distinction is whose money is it to start with? And a lot of people on the left, they start with the default position of it's your money if we allow you to keep it. If we allow you to keep 80% of your money, then then that's great. Now, if we allow you to keep 90%, that's us giving you a 10% pay hike, actually. That's not us taking 10% less from you. That's us giving you more money because you start from the position that they own all the money. And when you're arguing from that position, uh, you know, we're, we have a lot of divisions here in the country right now. And it's very important that we're at least arguing from the same, the same standpoint with people or at least understanding where other people are coming from. And that's where they're coming from when they're talking about taxes. Yeah, exactly. And in the, in the default position for libertarians, and I would say also conservatives, is this. Taxation is theft of my money. Whether I agree with it or not, it is a theft. It is the government taking money. Now, the government, our entire lifetimes, I'm going to assume that you've been alive for at least uh, 30 years, potentially. That, that is true. Yeah. Okay. So our entire lifetimes and, and also our parents' entire lifetimes, um, the government has taking, taken the tax up front. We don't ever actually pay into the system. It is just automatically withdrawn and put into an interest-bearing account at the Federal Reserve, by the way. So the government takes it for the pleasure of making them money and then giving it back to you as if they are benevolent overlords. Yeah, they they take it from you. I'm going to botch the quote, but someone said they take it from you quietly and then they give it back to you flamboyantly like, oh, look at what I've given back to you. Isn't isn't this amazing? Wouldn't you be nowhere without me? And this this idea that uh, well, first off, that they own the money, they can take it from you. They didn't put it into, like you said, the interest bearing account. They didn't decide where the money gets redistributed afterwards. And they've even messed up that whole process. They can't even just spend they can't even just take your money, make interest on it, and then give it give it back to you afterwards after they've taken the interest. They have to spend about 125% of whatever it is that they bring in. And so, and sometimes obviously a lot more than that. And so they end up just printing a lot of it. But that's that's not that's not what causes inflation at all. It's actually when they don't take money from you. And that that right there is stemming a lot from the modern monetary theory. And I know that some of this can get pretty boring, but we are living under essentially modern monetary theory right now. This idea that you can just print whatever amount of money that you want and there aren't going to be any problems. There aren't going to be any repercussions afterwards. And this idea that we can we can do anything. We can have free health care. We can have free college we can have, let's just pay off all the debt. Who cares? We'll just print whatever it is. And that, that basic idea, of course, leads to a lot of inflation. But here's the other thing. They have an answer for that inflation in modern monetary theory. The government will tax that excess money back out of the system 
to hamper down the demand to take that spending out of the economy and to make sure that there's not going to be any inflation. There is a problem inside of that. Inside of that argument, that assumes that the government is not going to spend the money that it taxes back out of the economy afterwards. Because remember, they're taking it out of the economy, so you Mm -hmm. don't spend it. That's going to cause prices to go up. So what does the government do when they tax the money out of the economy? They uh, they just put it in a lockbox, right? They never spend it anywhere. They don't do anything. Uh, they take it and they spend, uh, a, you know, double whatever it is that they took out. Yeah. You know, what's a $40 billion to the Ukraine, right? Yeah, not a problem. No, I, no. You know, since you mentioned that, I just, you know, I, I don't even want to get into whether it's right or wrong to be doing that. I'm a libertarian. You know that I don't like taking money from one person, giving it to another. I just want one simple thing. I want a detailed line item list of where every single dollar of that money is going. Because yep. when you when you think about, uh, well, let's just say natural disasters. Let's say there's like an earthquake and it affects uh, someplace like Haiti or something like that. And you look at money that gets sent over there to help people. How does it end up getting spent afterwards? When you go back and you look, well, how many houses got built with mm-hmm. that money? What actually happened with it? I'm just slightly worried that there are a lot of people getting filthy rich off of our money in in Ukraine, not to the not that I want them to be attacked or their country to be destroyed or anything like that. I just want to know where the money's going. Yeah, no doubt. I and and I agree with you. It, it's not about well, this could be spent over here. How about we don't spend forty billion dollars? Period. But that's neither here nor there. Um, it, the example that I was using is is that where does that money come from in modern monetary theory, right? And of course, modern monetary theory. We've talked about it a lot on this show, and I have a whole thing on on our old YouTube channel um, just devoted to what is it and what do they see it as. And they see it as the answer to socialism. How, how do you economically cure the issues that socialism have shown to be issues, right? The Venezuelan issues. How do you – the hyperinflation, how you do it? Well, modern monetary theory. The other problem is that you have to have full employment in that process and wages stay low. Those, those are the other two requirements. Now, we, we can argue that we are close to full employment again because we have gained most, if not all, of the jobs of the, the pandemic back. Problem is that inflation has gone into the wage category. Um, here in Chicago, for example, Wages are up 14, 15, 16%, depends on what numbers you use. The cost of housing is up only 11%. So we actually have real wage growth. When you do those two things and you have the spending going on, you get inflation. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I'm, I sometimes get really tired of being. Um, how do I say this without just sounding? I get tired of being extremely right about everything. And then when it actually happens, everyone's like, oh, no, one could have seen this coming. Oh, you know, we're just dealing with, yeah, our wages, they did go up. But the problem is inflation. That's uh, people aren't actually making what they used to be making. Exactly. We've been saying this for how long people before us have been saying this. The people's books we've read have been saying this. You don't. You don't solve this problem by printing money. You don't even solve it by just artificially raising people's wages. 
you don't solve any of those problems. People who are working the uh, lowest skill or lowest paid jobs are always going to be struggling with all of their daily with all of their daily needs, especially if they want to get more out of the economy than they're putting in. And I'm sorry, that sounds really uh, that 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 sounds like I don't care. It's it's not the case, but you're not going to ever solve this problem like when they're pushing for $15 an hour. You know, Amazon raised their wage to $15 an hour. And it's uh, no more than a year after that, Bernie's on Twitter t- talking about how Jeff Bezos could afford to pay Amazon workers $18 an hour. There's mm-hmm. no reason he shouldn't be able to pay them $18 an hour. That It never stops. It's a, just this upward spiral and you never actually solve what the problems are. Exactly. It, it is the the old adage, give them an inch and they're going to want the mile. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they'll take it, but otherwise, you know, they will advocate for it until it happens. And and we've seen that over the course of the last 20 years in American politics. Um, but back to the point of, of all of this. In this New York Times article, a old Obama economic advisor, which I think we could stop right there and just say, don't listen, right? Because... Yeah. W- that was the slowest recovery I've ever seen from an economic crash in our lifetimes. And he is actually the author of the um, the American, I can't remember the Reinvestment Act, whatever whatever it was called. He is actually the person who, who did that, Jason Berman. Right. And he says that I think all these tax cuts in states are adding to inflation. The problem is from any governor's perspective, a lot of the inflation it is adding is nationwide. And a lot of the benefits of the tax cuts are to the states. Yeah, that that that's the point. Yeah, that is kind of the point, but I know where they're going with this. And you know the the media the the media is basically a constant manipulation ma- machine. And we we read these articles every day. And what they do is they slowly slowly cook you like a frog and and slow boiling water over time. So eventually you don't realize it, but they've completely manipulated you on a subject. And this, the reason I took such issue with this is because this is the the start, the start point. I haven't seen them make this case very much. And what they do is they just barely introduce the idea into your mind, just to open your mind up to the idea a little bit. Here's the idea. Uh, the lower tax states are causing all of my problems. That's the idea that they want. It's actually not Biden's fault. Maybe it's going to end up being uh, Bill Lee here in Tennessee, or it's going to be Ron DeSantis, of course. Well, there would be no reason to try and slowly manipulate people towards another problem that Ron DeSantis has has caused for them (laughs) at all. And so they slowly, they just slowly introduce these ideas. And the idea is that the the lower tax states are the cause of your problems. Even though you don't live in that state, they're causing your higher prices because the people in those states, they're able to pay more for things because they have more buying power because the government has given them more money, which is what they call it when they don't take a certain amount of money from you. And, and so that just adds another, a little bit more fuel to the fire for people. And so that's why I took such major issue with this is because I haven't heard them make this argument very often. And then all of the obvious contradictions in it from the fact that uh, printing money, that's completely fine. Now, if you just keep your own money, that's bad. That's that's the kind of uh, buying power that causes inflation. The printing, that's really no problem. 
And then, of course, they talk about the taxes because they're basing all their ideas on modern monetary theory. And for for MMT to work, you've got to be able to tax the money back out of the system. And there's a major contradiction with that because they're giving you a false choice inside of this. Here Here are the false choices they give you. Either People get to spend more of their money and it causes inflation or the government's going to tax it back out of the system and, and we're not going to have the inflation. Those aren't the real salute. Those aren't the real options because the government doesn't just tax the money back out of the system. This is the major problem with MMT that no one really ever addresses. When they tax the money back out of the system, they put it right back into the system plus another 25, 50% on top of that again because they can't stay within a budget. So it's not as if they're just going to tax it out of the system and stop inflation. They take it, they spend it on less efficient uses, on businesses that might be more likely to fail, that wouldn't exist if they weren't propping them up. Uh, they, They allow all of these inefficiencies to occur where the most efficient use of the money is if you got to spend your own money on things that were for you, that's going to be the most efficient use of that resource. The least efficient use of the resources, letting the government spend someone else's money on someone else and keep a little bit for themselves on the back end, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, with modern monetary theory, it's also the inversion of the relationship of where the money starts and ends, right, where it circulates from. The, the inversion is that it starts and ends at the government, whereas mm-hmm. in a capitalistic or crony capitalistic or an oligarchical situation that we are in, whatever the situation is that you want to define it as, it starts with the consumer and then circulates into the government. And in MMT, which we are seeing, for instance, in Florida, right? They got, what, $8.8 billion in in pandemic relief. Here in Illinois, we got something like $14 or $15 billion in pandemic relief. What did Florida do with it? They gave a $1.2 billion tax cut to their people. Here in Illinois, what did we try to do with it? We tried to shore up our unemployment uh, benefit gap, which was something like $14 billion underfunded. What part of uh, Illinois are you in, by the way? Oh, I'm in Chicago. Okay. Oh. Ah. See, I'm I'm from Illinois, but I'm from the Kentucky part of Illinois. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm from uh, just pr- probably 20 minutes away from the border on the south side. So I, I am from Illinois, but I did flee there and cut and go to Nashville about 10 years ago. And uh, smart man, move. You know, no state income taxes. That is nice. Now, we do have a higher sales tax here, but that's a decision that I get to make. So, exactly. So so that's OK. Yeah. In Illinois, of course, there's all the problems with the pension there. They did some r- ridiculous stuff. And. And, you know, DeSantis did the one point, was it 1.2 billion, I think yeah. he did. They weren't supposed to do that with their funds that they received, of course, but but that's not the money that they gave in tax cuts. Yeah, they, they just used other money for that. There's always a loophole around the system. Everyone has to realize that there's a way to get around that. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly what I pointed out from the very beginning with these relief funds that were going to the states. What were they going to do with them? They were not going to, quote unquote, stimulate the economy. They were going to find ways to cut taxes because that is to a benefit of either a Republican or a Democratic governor, by the way. At a state level, if you can say I'm cutting your taxes, that's a win. Now, the other aspect was what? I'm going to pay down my debt. That doesn't circulate the money. That doesn't stimulate the economy, which is what they were attempting to do with these funds. 
It doesn't do any of that. Now, does it structurally hopefully help the state? Well, in a state like Illinois, it's pretty hopeless, but it it, it just went right into the coffers of the state and sat there. It, it didn't do anything for you and me or anybody else that lives in the state, right? So at the end of the day, when modern monetary theory is looked at, when you say, hey, the government can spend what it wants, however it wants, but... It needs these three main things to happen. None of those three things were happening with these stimulus bills, with all of the money that we've printed, all of those things, and within the broader um, job economy, if you will. We're seeing every single thing that we have talked about as the holes of modern monetary theory play out in front of us over the last two and a half years. We we are exactly. And and like I alluded to earlier, everything that we've been saying would be wrong with it and all of the problems that it would cause. They have all been playing out and we've been watching all the people who have directed this system act like they had no idea it was going to happen. And of course, uh, we were crazy for years talking about this beforehand, that this is exactly what would happen. And what I will say is the people who are libertarian or conservative, whatever it is, Uh, Make sure that when you're making when we're making these arguments, we tell our listeners sometimes we're not just up here uh, just talking for fun about worst case scenarios, about terrible stuff that could happen that we read in the book one day. We actually believe that these things will happen. We will have uh, out of control inflation. We will have a worse economic system than we started with. It will cause a lot of unemployment. We'll have uh, less prosperity than we otherwise could have had. And we mean that. We're not just saying it for fun or trying to fear monger, trying to get people riled up. And so when we end up being right at the end of the day, none of us need to act surprised because that's exactly what we said was going to happen. And it does feel good to, uh, once again, I'm I'm sorry for saying it does feel good to be right sometimes uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to this. And uh, we all need to realize that uh, we are correct in in this, no matter what emotional arguments people want to make about any of these situations, that has to that has to be taken away. And we've got to talk about what are the actual economic repercussions of all of this spending, all of this printing, all the debt that the government has. Uh, what is that going to be? Because that's going to affect people in the long run. And while I mentioned debt, I will say back to MMT one time. This idea that you can take out whatever amount of debt or put whatever you want on the credit card and that's going to be okay. That's okay in theory if you were going to spend the money efficiently and create more value and more productivity afterwards. We always say this, Mm -hmm. um, Apple has debt, Amazon has debt, Tesla has debt. All of these companies have debt and when they take that debt, They take whatever it is, let's just say it's a million dollars, and they take that million dollars and they turn it into a billion dollars worth of value inside of the economy afterwards. The government takes a million dollars and they turn it into negative a billion dollars inside of the economy. And so that's the other part with modern monetary theory is that the government is not the one that is going to efficiently use that money. It is the Mm -hmm. people who are directly tied to the benefits of that money. Yeah, maybe they can make some profits. Maybe some of the people running it can get filthy rich, but a lot of other people are going to have a better life uh, because of that. When you look at, uh, you could say Amazon, I don't know if you wanted to lock people in their houses over the last couple of years to save their lives. I think it was pretty darn important that they were able to order stuff online and have it shipped to their house. 
What I haven't heard a single thank you from Bernie or AOC or any of them go towards Jeff Bezos for completely changing our economy over towards a really quick delivery system for goods. I don't know if people remember this, but no one was doing this before Amazon did this. They were the first ones to come out with that one or two day shipping. And then Kroger did the the delivery and then Walmart did that. Then all the other companies started doing that to compete with them. So I'm still on behalf of Jeff Bezos. I'm waiting on a thank you from Bernie and AOC. Yeah, exactly. And and to your point, the other the other part of that productivity and and how do you take on debt to to help yourself in terms of the government, it would be what being able to be the currency of record. Right. So your currency has all the value in the world. People want to buy your T-bonds. People want to buy into your debt because they know what they're going to make a profit on the back end. That's not what's happening anymore. In fact, um, we're seeing quite a few people over the course of the last few years. India, for example, doesn't use the United States as its reserve currency anymore. That's a problem. There's like a billion and a half people in India. That is a problem. When you take a look at China, you take a look at Russia, you take a look for whatever you want to say about the war and, and all that sort of stuff. The reality is we're about to see parallel economies in parallel. And I've talked about this time and time again with the war that is going on. It's not really a war for, you know, the, the ethnic and all of that sort of stuff that, that we're so used to seeing in Europe. It is really a battle of national um, economics versus international economics and and who's going to win that that's ultimately what is going on here can we win this battle why does the united states care about it it cares about it because the reserve currency is our currency russia is attempting to put together an amalgamation of 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 nations who believe that hey we believe that we should be strong in our own dollar or ruble or remimbi or whatever you want to call it um and, and do that. So when we take a look at the reserve currency issue, that's the problem with modern monetary theory. The assumption that the United States is the reserve currency and will always be the reserve currency. That was the problem with Venezuela, right? When, when they went through hyperinflation, when they went through all of those things, what was the problem? People stopped buying their bonds. People stopped buying in to their economy. And it, they piled on the debt. And uh oh, nobody's buying our debt. They went from inflation to hyperinflation overnight because of that. Yeah, unfortunately, and and I like to think that a lot of the people running the system understand that. I I think that they understand that that they want to remain the the reserve currency. But then when you get all the way down to elections, you get all the way down to presidential elections and uh, elections for Congress and all that. Everything that you just said, I mean, it would be whoever says that on the campaign trail is is gone. They're 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 not going to get any support or any funding. No one's going to vote for them. That half the people fell asleep uh while we were just talking about this. You know, no mm -hmm. one wants to hear about this stuff. They want to hear about how you're going to solve all their problems uh with this uh magical money from whoever the rich people are. Right. How and, are we going to put baby formula back on the shelves and and all of those things? Absolutely. Totally get it. But you can't get there without understanding the basics, without understanding the structure. And it's it's fascinating. We could talk forever, uh, mm -hmm. but I know your time is precious. Um, why don't you let people know how they can follow the show, how they can follow you and, and all the work that Good Morning Liberty does? 
So first off, we're on all of the podcast apps, of course. And uh, one of our main things that we do is uh, is TikTok and then Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. And it just to save you time, just go to your browser and type in BernieLies.com. And that is going to bring in all of our links for all the stuff you could potentially need. Well done. Thank you so much for joining us here on Critical Thinking. Hopefully we'll have you back soon uh, to talk about more uh, topics and have some fun on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for Nate joining us on the program. Do not forget, it's Good Morning Liberty. Check him out on podcast. You can find the links to all of his social media and the show's podcast in the description of this show, whether you're watching on Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, or you're listening via podcast. And if you are new to the podcast and you were checking out Nate's appearance, uh, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a rate review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And of course, you can find me on social media. I am at the cop and show now Pat Oni on vacation this week. But Pat can be found at the Pat Oni Show. And with that, um, we've got to move on just a little bit. And and I'm debating, do I go a little more in-depth on um, the return of Omicron or not? Maybe I save that for tomorrow. Maybe I save those numbers for tomorrow. But I have another topic that we do need to discuss here. And I don't know if you have seen the signs or the things that have been put out on social media, whatever platform, because they exist in every platform, but it's people at these uh, pro-abortion rallies. I don't like to call it uh, pro-choice or anything like that. That's what it's about. And we have talked about intentional use of language. And the left intentionally uses choice because they don't want to deal with the reality of what the quote-unquote choice is from a perspective of the choice to engage in intercourse, which then has potential consequences that are both good and bad, right? Sex can be pleasurable. It also can be transactional in nature. And what do I mean by that? It can be transactional because... People look at it as a way to just simply procreate. Some people do look at it that way. It can also result in really bad things. People can get all sorts of diseases. People could um, have a quote-unquote unwanted pregnancy. And one of the things that we have seen online is this. These signs. I wish my mother aborted me. I wish my mother had aborted me. I wish mom, I wish my mom never had me. Yada, yada, yada. And we talk about the intentional use of language on this program all the time, like I've said before. Bullcrap to the people holding up those signs. Bullcrap. Why do I say that? Because you're not pro-choice. You're not pro-abortion. You don't mean what is on that sign in front of you at all in any way, shape, or form. How do I know that? Because you're still alive. 
This is the psychosis of the spirit of the age, folks, that has taken these individuals, that movement, over. Our society, writ large, over. Because that's the only way you come to the conclusion that your life is so meaningless and so unvaluable that you actually wish your mother had never had you. I will say this. Prove, prove to me that you believe what you put on that sign. Prove it. Off yourself. Slit your wrist. Do whatever. Do it. Of course, I don't actually mean it. Except for I do. I don't wish that you would do it. I don't. Because I don't believe that suicide is an answer. Suicide is a mortal sin. That is a teaching of the Catholic Church. You don't get into heaven by committing suicide. But for these people, they don't believe in heaven to begin with. They are taken over by the pagan spirit of the age. But then, if you want to say that, I wish my mother had aborted me, whether that's because you believe we are overpopulating the world or whatever belief that, that you have. Prove it. Prove that you are intentional in your use of language. Off yourself. Die. Again, I don't wish that upon anybody. But you don't actually mean the word that is on those words that are on your sign. You don't mean that one iota. You're not serious. Not one bit of serious. Now, is the position that I just took telling these people to off themselves extreme? Of course it is. Absolutely 100% extreme. But the point is to take their extreme position and expose it for the ludicrousness that it is. It is absolutely 100% a ludicrous position. The only way that you could possibly mean what you say you mean on that sign is to kill yourself. And nobody in their right mind is suggesting that that is a good idea. Why would I take it to that extreme then? Why should you take that to that extreme? Because by doing so, you have taken control. Because if they don't actually mean the words that are coming out of their mouths or are put on those signs or whatever at the dinner table debate or whatever is going on, if they don't actually mean the words that are coming out of their mouths, shut up. Let the adults have an actual conversation. Do you see the point? You have taken control of the conversation. You have exposed, number one, their extremism. 
Number two, you've exposed them as frauds. And number three, it's time for real people to have real discussions. Sit down. Sit down. And that goes for a national discussion, a state discussion, a local board discussion, or the dinner table. How many times have we sat and talked about um, all the politics that get talked about, all the things that get talked about at uh, 4th of July gatherings or the upcoming Memorial Day um, you know, gatherings, right? How many times has that happened? A lot. How do, you, how do you stop the debate? How do you win the debate? Take their extreme position, which, by the way, the pro-abortion position is the extreme position. Less than 10% of Americans actually believe in abortion, period, amen, no restrictions. That is an extreme position. The, I wish my mother had aborted me, is an absolutely extreme position. Take them to their extreme positions. Take them to their logical conclusion of their position. And stand up. You don't have to argue with them. You just say, okay, so here's your position. This is the logical conclusion of your position. Now shut up and let's have fun. Now shut up and let the adults discuss things. Expose them for their idiocy and it goes away. No, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm telling you to to stifle their speech. They can speak however they want. But by speaking, you have removed all doubt as to whether or not you're an idiot or a person who's reasonable or can have reasonable discussion. By the way, these are the people likely to scream and shout and expose themselves. Be meek. You don't need to raise your voice. You don't need to go insane, be emotional, all of those things. Let them do that. But just simply say, oh, you believe that? Then why are you here? Kill yourself. Right? To these people that I wish my mother had aborted me crowd. To the crowd that says, well, rape and incest. How do you deal with that? Okay, so we're talking about less than 1% of all abortions that are, are, are performed right now. So that would mean that you're good with all of the other abortions being taken off the table. No abortions except for the... You don't actually mean that, do you? You expose their extremism and then you shut it down. You just calmly say, okay, so you don't actually mean what you say you mean. And if I gave you that inch... You would still want the mile, as we talked about with Nate. Again, expose their extremism and lead with meekness. Because what is meekness? It is power of conviction plus compassion. And people are drawn to that more than they are the person screaming and ranting and raving. You know, and Nate and I didn't get a chance to get into this whole situation with um, all of that stimulus money and all that stuff. That started with Trump. And I brought this up with Buck Sexton uh, yesterday on Twitter, actually. Because Buck had this to say. 
They mandated the shutdown of whole economic sectors, spent trillions of dollars, sent people checks to stay at home, which did nothing to stop COVID. Now we have record high inflation, and the people in charge are surprised. Who was in charge when those things began, Buck? Does anyone want to tell Buck who bought in to it and started all of these lies in the first place? Who gave us Fauci, Burks, masking forever, standing six feet apart, locked down for 15 days to flatten the curve, 30 days to slow the spread, Trump? Who wanted to shut us down and send out those, tr- uh, those checks? Trump. Now, have the Dems taken that 15 days to flatten the curve and, and all of the things that, that uh, initially were done by the Trump administration and run with it? You bet they did. But to, but to suggest that it's they, as in the other, that's how you shut that argument down. But I want you to think about it. When you come up upon all of these things, now the weather is warming up here in the Midwest and in the northern United States more generally, basically all the country is going to be outside and enjoying life, hopefully. But when these debates come up, show leadership. Be meek. Meekness is power under control. You don't need to scream, rant, or rave. Just take them to their logical conclusions And then tell them to shut up. Your life will be better off. The party will be better off. The gathering will be better off. Whatever have you. And with that, folks, thank you so very, very much for joining me here once again. I will be back tomorrow for the final um, solo show of the week. And then it is Fish Fry Friday as well, so we'll have some crazy stories and uh, lots of fun for you. But until tomorrow, please be smart, be safe, be kind, and as always, Matthew 547, and come on you Spurs.